Side Hustle Show 338, What I've Learned and Applied from 49 Awesome Entrepreneurs, Part 6. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because without action, even the best ideas aren't worth much. Special solo edition of the show for you this week. This is the sixth installment of What I've Learned and Applied from 49 Awesome Entrepreneurs. It's an annual tradition on the show, which just turned six years old and passed eight and a half million lifetime downloads. So whether this is your first time tuning in or your 338th, thank you. It means the world to me that you would invest your time listening to this stuff. But as you know, listening is one thing and acting on what you hear is another. And as your host, I'm still in the game too. I'm trying to learn from my guests just like you are and see what strategies of theirs I can turn around and apply in my own business. So in this episode, I'm revisiting the number one tips from the last year of guests and attempting to pull out the juiciest, most relevant words of wisdom that have been uttered and explain how I interpret the advice, how I'm applying it myself, and hopefully how you can implement it as well. Now, I'm not going to read through all 49 of these one by one, but if you do want to see the full list of tips, you can visit sidehustlenation.com slash tips six, T-I-P-S and the number six. I've compiled all of them for you there, and I'll link up the previous number one tips roundups there as well. These are some of my favorite episodes to put together. Instead, what I'll do here is pick and choose a few to highlight that I think are most worth revisiting. And as I do that, I'll attempt to weave in some personal and business updates from the last 12 months too. If there was a common theme from the last year of guests, the advice I heard pop up over and over again was some variation of this. Take action. Just get started. Seriously, that was the number one tip like a third of the time. That is too significant to ignore if you're still on the sidelines. Of all the things somebody could have said to have that advice come up over and over again to just start, that's what you'd call a statistically significant trend. So just start. Easy, right? Yeah, in hindsight, sure. But what if you don't know what to start? That's the problem that many of us face early on. And I imagine hearing somebody five or 10 years deep into their journey tell you to just start, true as it may be, might not be the most helpful thing. So what do you start? Well, the truth is, it literally does not matter. This was Alan Donegan's number one tip from episode 306. Get in the game. The idea is irrelevant. You could open up your podcast app to the Side Hustle Show. You could close your eyes, swipe up, and then just stop the scroll. Whatever you land on, let's call that idea number one. Repeat that process until you have four or five different ones to choose from. Or you can do the same at SideHustleNation.com slash ideas. Then you go down the list. If the first one sounds awful, that's totally fine. Move on to the second. But the thing is, there's no such thing as the perfect idea or the perfect time to start. Start freelancing. Get a client. Go sell something on eBay. Write a book. Start a blog. Start a website. It does not matter. My first toe dip into the entrepreneurial waters was a residential house painting business. Not exactly anything revolutionary and not exactly something I planned on doing long term, but it led to everything that followed. When I talk to guests here on the show, you almost always hear how there was an evolution that got them where they are. Here's what I do know. It's physics. An object in motion stays in motion. An entrepreneur in motion stays in motion. But an object at rest stays at rest until acted upon by an outside force. 
let me and my guests be that force. Nothing would make me happier. So back to the number one tips. The most common advice was simply to take action to get started as exemplified by Alan Donegan's The Idea is Irrelevant. That was episode 306 and was one of the most popular ones of the year, by the way, if you haven't checked that out. But what next? The next number one tip that stood out to me was Derek Depkers from episode 290. He said, make it fun and exciting. And we were talking about this in the context of habit development and practicing willpower, both of which can be gamified to be fun and exciting, even if on the surface you're working on something seemingly less than fun, like one I'm working on this month is attempting to get up before the family to do my meditation, do my workout, take a shower, basically to get a head start on the day, do something proactive for myself and put myself in a better mental state. When the alarm buzzer goes off, it's not that fun, but it is exciting for me to check the box with a positive morning routine. Somehow the kids keep getting up earlier and earlier, so this is a little bit of a challenge. I don't need this to turn into a 4 a.m. arms race. Now, this year also marked the 10th year of being self-employed for me, which was an exciting accomplishment. Cut your own paycheck for a decade. We celebrated by taking the month off in July to visit family in Washington and also to explore Mexico a little bit. I found that break generated a lot of creative energy to the point that I was really excited to get back to work when we got home. In the first few weeks back, I filmed my credit card rewards course, freecreditcardcourse.com, and wrote up a really in-depth review of ActiveCampaign, the email service provider that I've been using the last couple years. And it was in editing the video for my ActiveCampaign demo that Derek's advice to make it fun and exciting really hit home. So I used the Screencast-O-Matic software which I've used for years, but never had really played around with the built-in video editor. It took all afternoon, but learning how it worked to produce this piece of content was super fun. And these were not anything super fancy edit-wise. I was just making overlays and doing little cuts and blurring out sections, but I was like giddy about it. I was just buzzing with excitement. And I think the reason for that was because it was something new. And so maybe maybe there's more video stuff to come. I find the same excitement when I push myself to rely more on team members, to give them more responsibility, or when I think of a new way to accomplish an old task, or when I find a new software tool. Ahrefs and Text Expander might be examples of that. Both of those have been sponsors of the show this past year as well. But as you're going about your days and your weeks, I want you to be thinking about Derek's advice. How could you make this more fun and exciting? It may not need to be a wholesale makeover of your operations, but just a few little tweaks here or there might just add the spice that you need. In episode 295, Chris Schwab reminded us to take a moment to clarify our priorities. Take a moment to clarify our priorities. Now, this isn't anything new. Uh, Noah Kagan mentioned something similar last year. Brock McGough mentioned something similar, but it is powerful. And it's something that quite frankly is just as easy not to do, but not clarifying your priorities is a recipe to have your life dictated by outside surrounding forces. If you wake up and just start reacting to everything life throws at you, it's going to be exceptionally hard to move the ball forward on anything meaningful to you. I like this bit of advice so much, I worked it into my progress journal as one of the five key elements of productivity and effectiveness. You can check it out at progressjournal.net if you haven't already. 
but the book combines this daily practice of gratitude, measuring what you got done, clarifying your top priorities for tomorrow, and this micro habit tracking, kind of along the lines of Derek's making it fun and exciting. These were all things that I found when I did them consistently, I was a much happier person and more effective at my work too. So what are your priorities? You vote with your time. Do they line up? In episode 302, Jacques Hopkins told us to think about the customer transformation. How is your customer going to be different after interacting with you or your product or your service? How can you incorporate that transformation into your copywriting, into your language, into your pricing? This is something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Like what transformation does Side Hustle Nation promise? Sure, I present hundreds of different ideas on how to make money and have collected some incredible testimonials from people who've done just that over the years. But I feel like I could be doing a better job of both spelling out that transformation, that shift from employee to entrepreneur, and then guiding people along that path. One of the things I took action on this past year was revamping the Side Hustle Nation homepage to more align with the story brand framework, which is really similar to this customer transformation framework. Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Great book, highly recommended. What the book suggests is to take a lesson from Hollywood's greatest hits because they follow a formula we're almost pre-programmed to understand and relate with. The formula is that a hero, that's your customer, has some problem or goal, and then they meet a guide. That's you or your business that helps them along their way. So on the Side Hustle Nation homepage, and of course, copy is going to be subject to change in the future, But today, the transformation is spelled out as you can escape the rat race. And then it goes into a little more detail about how the site is going to help you do that. And actually, as it relates to the show, I started working with a podcast coach last summer, somebody with years and years of experience in traditional radio. And he helped me kind of think about that transformation inside of each episode. What's the hook of this show? Why is somebody going to stick around? What are they going to learn from this? I was on the homepage for a virtual assistant service today, and the headline of the page was, Be Home for Bedtime. That's the transformation they're selling. Look, with our service, you can stop working these crazy hours. We'll take these tasks off your plate so you can be home for bedtime. I think you can incorporate a similar benefit-driven transformation promise into your own messaging. What's your customer transformation? Thank you to Jacques for that one. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? 
Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's see what's next on here. Oh, this wasn't a uh, number one tip but a couple points from episode 319 with Jack Spierko from the Survival Podcast really stood out. Jack said, what do I want? Well, I want immortality, but I don't want it in my name. I want it in the actions of others. He said that for him, the currency of success is the success of his listeners. And I think that applies to just about every business out there. The ticket to getting what you want is to help others get what they want, right? Zig Ziglar. That's how to build a legacy that is going to long outlive your work. For me, it was Pat Flynn's free video series on how to start a podcast that got me started, podcastingtutorial.com. This was originally filmed in 2012. Today, it says updated for 2019 if you want to check it out. But the Side Hustle Show is just one of probably thousands of shows that have been launched as a result of that project of his. And how many shows have been launched and how many lives have been changed as a result of those shows? That's the kind of immortality Jack was talking about, that ripple effect of your efforts. And yes, I've been able to thank Pat in person for that on on more than one occasion. The currency of success is the success of your listeners, subscribers, customers, clients. They become evangelists for you, and the word of mouth and the goodwill starts to spread. When they're successful, you're successful. The other soundbite from that episode with Jack that I think is worth revisiting is this. He said, what am I marketing? I'm marketing a lifestyle. In my takeaways from that episode, I noted that's a challenging thing to market, especially if it means hard changes on the part of your customer, but it's a great thing to market because it can really become part of people's identity. What are you marketing? I'm marketing a lifestyle. In Jack's case, he's marketing the modern survival lifestyle. Here's how it works. Are you in? Are you out? I think it works across all sorts of different niches. The keto lifestyle, the minimalist lifestyle, the fire lifestyle, the raw feeding lifestyle. Hat tip to Kimberly Gautier from episode 333. Here's the side hustle lifestyle. Here's how it works. Are you in or are you out? Think about Jimmy Buffett. I'm a fan. I'm a parrot head and I've got my mom to thank for that. But he's built an empire that expands way beyond music. He's got Margaritaville branded clothing and blenders and booze and furniture He's got restaurants and casinos and hotels. He's got his own brand of beer. He's done books and Broadway shows. His net worth is estimated at $550 million, half a billion dollars. This is for a guy whose best performing solo song was over 40 years ago. And even that didn't crack the Billboard Top 10. Why does it work? Why is he still relevant? He markets a lifestyle. In his case, a lifestyle of tropical escapism. So maybe we can combine those tips. Think of the customer transformation. When customers are successful, you're successful. 
And is there a lifestyle component to what you're marketing? In episode 324, Mitch Davis said, you got to do something or tomorrow's going to be the same. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. It's like, in my case, why do I expect to get better at golf? It's not like I practice. I think this one is subtly different from the calls to simply take action or get started. For me, it's more like if you're stuck or plateaued, it's time to try something new. What that has looked like for me has been investing some time and money into some flatlining marketing channels over the past 12 months, specifically SEO and Pinterest. With Pinterest, like we talked about in the episode with Kate All, that was episode 318, the traffic was steady but flat. Would revamping the profile and the strategy over there move the needle? So I spent a bunch of time on that earlier this year and kind of sad to say, no, it didn't really work, didn't really make any significant impact, but at least I took some proactive action on it instead of doing the same thing and expecting different results. Same story with SEO. I hired out a professional technical SEO site audit last year, which uncovered a lot of potentially not so good problems with the site SEO-wise. So spent a lot of time cleaning those up, spent some time trying to improve the site speed, spent some time diving into keyword research on Ahrefs, spent some time cleaning up old underperforming archive posts. Now, today, overall, the site has a much better SEO foundation than it did a year ago, but I don't have any blockbuster results to share yet. It's been very much a story of incremental gains, if any. Some posts rank better, some rank worse. It's a bit of an ebb and flow. But it goes back to Mitch's point. At least you're trying something. At least you're testing something out. The context of his advice was when I had just asked him if he was nervous about placing a $3,000 inventory order for his Amazon FBA business. And he said, of course he was. But at some point, you got to do something or tomorrow's going to be the same. And that actually brings me to my next nugget, which comes from Paul Jarvis, who said, we're entitled to the labor, not necessarily the fruits of that labor. That was in episode 329, in which we talked about setting process-oriented goals rather than outcome-oriented goals, since you can't always control the outcome. Control the input, that's your effort, and hopefully the outcome you want eventually will come. But it might not, or you might have to change some things. Paul's number one tip was also one that I'd never heard before. He said that most goals are fake. We make up these pie-in-the-sky goals that have no basis in our needs, which he argued makes them easier to give up on. Because it's like, yeah, I said on January 1st I wanted a six-pack, but I don't really need it. So you go back to pizza and beer. That definitely got me thinking about my own goals. Are they real or are they fake? And if they're fake, does that somehow make me subconsciously less motivated to pursue them? So set goals grounded in real needs, he said. One of my goals for the first part of this year was to rewrite and relaunch the Side Hustle Path book. It's been a perma-free book on Amazon since early 2015, and the content and structure were pretty badly dated at this point. It wasn't the world's best introduction to Side Hustle Nation and the types of businesses that we're building. But did I need to rewrite it? Need is awfully relative. Like not doing anything with it probably wouldn't have been life-threatening, but I felt the need to fix it, especially for the sake of new readers discovering my material for the first time. It took a lot longer than anticipated because I essentially ended up rewriting the entire thing from scratch. Now it's just called The Side Hustle. If you want to check it out, it's free on Kindle, sidehustlenation.com slash book. 
It covers the big three side hustle business models, service businesses, product businesses, and audience businesses with lots of real life examples from my own career and tons of side hustle show guests as well. Once again, sidehustlenation.com slash book. The last number one tip I want to revisit is Brian Scudamore's from episode 332. He said, come up with your painted picture vision of where you're going. After all, if you get in the car and you don't know where you're going, it's a recipe for a lot of wasted time, wasted gas, wasted effort. So what are you working toward? So Brian shared how his painted picture visions helped him see into the future for 1-800-GOT-JUNK. This would be your perfect world crystal ball magic wand scenario. And you can do it for whatever time frame you think is realistic. Five years, two years, one year. And then, of course, Tim Ferriss would say, what would it take to make it happen in 12 weeks? But what does your day look like? How are you spending your time? Where do you live? What does your business look like? What does your bank account look like? Then it becomes a matter of reverse engineering the steps needed to get there. As I mentioned in that episode with Brian, this is something that Bryn and I have been working on this year. And thankfully, we're more or less on the same page. We both had us uh, still living in Livermore having a little more breathing room in our schedules, being better about prioritizing health and fitness, envisioning a little calmer family time, though I'm not sure how realistic that's going to be with these boys. Business-wise, I wrote down that I'm spending my time on my highest value, most creative tasks, and have trusted team members handling the rest. It's not that I'm necessarily working fewer hours, because I really do enjoy this stuff, but more about maximizing the work time I do have to be more effective, to help more people, to have a greater impact. Number one tip for me, now over the years, I know I've given tips like find your why, and I still think that's incredibly important to think like a side hustle scientist, that would be to adopt an experimenter's mindset, to take control of your calendar, to make progress every day. But the advice that's coming to mind right now is to surround yourself with people on the same path, on the same trajectory. In that way, you can give yourself some accountability and you've got some people to bounce ideas off of and you can support each other along the journey because this stuff isn't easy to begin with and it's definitely much harder when you're going at it alone. You've probably heard the Jim Rohn quote, it's probably overused, but you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So up your average. To recap in this episode, we have get in the game, take action, the idea is irrelevant, make it fun and exciting clarify your priorities, think about the customer transformation, achieve immortality through the actions of others, that being your audience or your customers, market a lifestyle if you can. You got to do something or tomorrow's going to be the same. You're entitled to the labor, not necessarily the fruits of the labor. And most goals are fake. Thanks, Paul Jarvis, for that one. And to come up with your painted picture vision of where you're going. You can find all 49 tips at sidehustlenation.com slash tips six. What do you think? Do you have a favorite moment or soundbite or story from the last year on the show? Let me know in the comments or hit me up on the Twitters or Instagrams at nloper. And if you like what you've been hearing on the Side Hustle Show, make sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. You've got some good stuff coming up and that way you'll never miss an episode. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show where you'll learn about the latest way to make money on Amazon without inventory and without having to write full books on your own. I'll see you then. Hustle on.